You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Stephen Yi. Well, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here, gathered together with all of you, my dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, as we worship, as we remember the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a blessing it is to be together. And if this is your first time here at Northwest Chinese Baptist Church, I again want to welcome you, and I want to say that I am so glad that you are here. You couldn't have picked a better day, a better morning to come here, to be here with all of us. You know, Christmas time is usually a time for many people of celebration. And uh, I, I want you all to know that for others, Christmas may not be filled with great memories or good feelings. And if that's you this morning, maybe you've come this morning and you're searching for answers. Maybe, maybe this morning you come and you're searching for comfort. I want you to know that, that you can find it. In Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that you're here today, if that's you that I just described. And I want you to know that, I, that the message that I share, the words that I share, I pray that as I share them with you and as we study God's word, that you will see that God has come, that he is a God of love, that he is a God of grace, that he created you and he cares for you. And he's even brought you here today. And so I just want to, again, thank you for coming. You know, when you think about Christmas, what do you think about? Christmas is, is known by many to be a season of giving. You know, Larry asked earlier, how many of you are done with your Christmas shopping? And, and one brother was really honest and said, I'm not done yet. But I know the rest of you are done. Right? This is a time, a season of giving. And, and I recently read this story about the Delgado family. And, and this was years ago during the week of Christmas. And a reporter was writing an article depicting those that were in need in the city. And he chose to, in, to interview this one family, the Delgado family. And before I continue, I just want you to know, uh, parents and families and children, I'm so glad that you're here. You don't have to take your kids out. If you want to, you can, but I just think it's wonderful to have our families together worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus. So please, don't feel pressured to take them out. If you want, you can, and uh, we love you and we support you. We're glad that you're here. What a blessing it is to worship together as a family. I love the children's cries uh, because I think they're just supporting me. They're encouraging me. They're giving. <laughs> they're saying, great message, Pastor Stephen. That's what the cries mean. So, uh, Or they don't like my voice. Yeah. But no. But, but this writer, right, was, was interviewing and trying to depict the need that was present in his city. And he chose to interview this grandmother and her two granddaughters that she was caring for and responsible for. So the, the reporter arrived earlier in the week. And, and to his surprise, it was a very humble apartment. And, and he described it in this way. He said, I couldn't believe how empty it was. There was no furniture, no rugs, nothing on the walls. Only a small kitchen table and a handful of rice. That's it. They, they were virtually, virtually devoid of possessions. Their two granddaughters, her two granddaughters were Lydia, 11 years old, and Jenny, who was 13. And each of the girls owned one 
short sleeve dress. And between the two of them, they owned one thin gray sweater. When they walked a half a mile to school through the biting cold each day, Lydia would wear the sweater for part of the distance and then hand it over to her shivering sister who would wear it the rest of the way. But despite their poverty and pain, the pain that kept their grandmother from working, the grandmother, when she was interviewed, she chose to highlight one thing in her conversation with this reporter. And she shared, the thing that she wanted to share was about her faith in Jesus. She was convinced that God had not abandoned them. The, and, and the writer, he shares this, he, he did not sense a, a, a sense of despair or self-pity. But instead, he, he witnessed this gentle feeling of, of hope and peace. Well, the, the writer, the reporter finished his interview and he left that day. He published his article, and to his surprise, there was an outpouring of love and support from the public in response to this article. People from all over the city responded to this article by showering the Delgado family with with a treasure trove of gifts, furniture, clothing, food, and even thousands of dollars. So on Christmas Eve... The writer chose to follow up with his family and go visit them again to see how they were doing, uh, knowing of this outpouring of support from the city. And when he arrived, he was astonished at what he saw. The grandmother and, and her two granddaughters, they were busy sorting through everything that they had received, and they were planning how they would share it and give it to their neighbors who were in desperate need. The writer asked them, why? Why would you give your things away? You guys barely have anything. And Mrs. Delgado's response was this. This is what Jesus would want us to do. And her last response to the writer points us to consider the most important question that we could ever answer in this life. Referring to all the gifts and, and the giving that they had received from the people, Mrs. Delgado concluded... This is wonderful. This is very good, referring to the gifts that that they had received. We did nothing to deserve this. This is a gift from God. But, she added, it is not his greatest gift. No, we celebrate that tomorrow. That is Jesus. You know, I look at this story and I think, of how, how could this family have peace in the midst of poverty? How could they exhibit joy and generosity when in such great need? Why is it, how is it that they could look heavenward and, and share of the wonder of their Savior, Jesus Christ? How could this be? It's because they had received the greatest gift ever given. They had received Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And that's why we're here this morning. And that's why I'm standing before you this morning to tell you that there is a Savior. There is hope. Joy is a reality in this life. Peace is a reality in this life. Only when you put your trust and start a relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, and that's the truth that I want to share with you, the truth for life. 
And if you just came on this one morning, this is the truth that I would want to share with you today, that Jesus is real. He is God's son. He is God. And he was fully man. He, he was born on Christmas Day as a baby. And he grew up to be a man. And he was without sin. And he lived out his purpose. He gave his life on the cross to die for you and for me. See, the reality of Jesus should lead us to answer this undeniable question today. And I emphasize today, dear friends. And the question is this. When you consider Jesus, that he was born, that he grew up, and he was a man, and he died on the cross, and he rose from the dead, the question for you is this. What will you do with him? What will you do with Jesus today? See, during Christmas, we celebrate the coming of Jesus, born of a virgin, laid in a manger, a descendant of King David, the one the world has been waiting for, the long-awaited Messiah, our coming King. But see, the reality is he did come. He did die on the cross. He did rise from the dead. He did ascend back to heaven, and he said, I'm coming again. See, as we seek to answer this question of what will you do with him, I want us not only to remember how Jesus came down from heaven, born as a baby, fully God, fully man. I want us to also know why he came and what he came to do so that we would be able to answer that question today. It's an age-old question. And today, as we look at the Bible, God's Word, I want to share with you the events that took place after Jesus was born, after he grew up. And see, I want us to look at his last two days here on this earth as a human. We're going to see how Jesus was put on trial, and we're going to see how Jesus went to the cross. And actually, as we study the Scripture, yes, we focus in on Jesus, but I also... You might be saying, well, Pastor Steve, I can't relate to Jesus because he was God, even though he was fully man. Okay, if that's your excuse, I want to point you to Pilate. Pilate, the governor. He was not God. He was just a regular old guy, but he was a man that was put in great power. And I want you to focus in on Pilate's experience, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea from AD 26 to AD 36, serving under the emperor Tiberius. As we look at this passage, Jesus was betrayed by his disciple Judas. He was illegally captured and set for trial before the Roman governor Pilate. And, as, and Jesus stood there on trial before Pilate. And as we look at this, these events, you will see that even Pilate asked this question. Pilate, the governor, asked this most personal and pressing question. The most personal and pressing question that anyone could ever ask. And I will quote him. He says, what shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? And I want to read this scripture to you this morning, because this is the highlight of the message. It's it's God's word, not mine. And I want to share with you Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 47. And I know some of you are tired today, and if you can stand, I want you to stand with me, all right? It'll help us to wake up. It'll let us stretch out again, all right? If you can't stand, please stay seated, or if you feel uh, tired today, uh, please 
Stay seated, but please stand with me. I want to read this to you, and you can follow along silently out loud. I'm going to read 47 whole verses to you today. But please follow along. And again, as you consider that question, what will you do with him? What will you do with Jesus today? Let's look for and let's look into, let's try to look into the mind and the heart of of Pilate as we read these verses in Mark chapter 15. I'm going to read them out loud, and please, you just follow along silently. Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 47. Very early in the morning, the chief priest with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionist who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call king of the Jews, Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, hail, king of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put, on, and put his own clothes on him. When they, had, when they led him out to crucify him. Verse 21. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country. And they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe Those crucified with him also heaped in insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine, vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of the Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and of Solomon. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day. This is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in the in a tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and, and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you because you are God Almighty. Thank you, God, so much for your word. Thank you for your promises. God, thank you for sending your one and only son, Jesus, on Christmas to come to be born. And not only to be born, but to live a sinless life to sacrifice his life for, the, for my sins and for the sins of many. God, I pray that today each one of us here would be able to answer that question. That each one of us today would know what we will do with Jesus. God, I pray and ask that you would help us. Help us to understand your word. God, help us to listen to you today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks for standing with me. I want, to, I want to make three observations about Pilate this morning. What did Pilate do with Jesus? And the first thing that Pilate did with Jesus was that he engaged the voices that confronted him. You know, there's voices all around. There's messages all around us, right? That's a reality of life. We're being bombarded with different messages. And, and what were the voices? What were the messages that, that Pilate was confronted with? You see, we have to think about Pilate's decision as the people cried out for, for Jesus to be put to death, to be murdered, Pilate also was listening to, to the, the voice of reason and his conscience, conscience. It raised an alarm in him as he was examining the evidence and listening to the witnesses. He was conflicted. Even his own wife urged him to let him go. You see, Jesus was conf uh, Pilate was confronted with these voices, the voice of reason, right? What is Jesus guilty of? He, he found that he was not guilty. He found no fault in Jesus. Every reasonable bone in his body would have let Jesus go. But yet, he also heard the voice of the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, right? Making the false accusations, condemning Jesus 
wanting to murder him and crucify him on the cross. These people of prominence and power were urging Pilate, crucify him. He heard the voice of the crowd. And yet, what do we see there in verse verse 15? Pilate's desire was to please the crowd. And what was the crowd saying? What was the voice of the crowd? Crucify him. Kill him. Release Barabbas. Release the criminal. Release the other murderer. Release the murderer that's actually in jail. Release the murderer and the insurrectionist. But crucify Jesus. Pilate's conscience was was already bothering him. And his wife, right, sent him that urgent message. If you look in Matthew, if you look in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 19, I don't have it on the screen for you, but you can write it down or just listen. His own wife said, don't have anything to do with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of Jesus. Right? Pilate, a human judge, confused about the truth, was about to condemn the righteous, perfect judge of the world, Jesus Christ. Dear friends, I ask you, what voices are you listening to today? What voices are bombarding you today when you try to answer the question of what will you do with Jesus? You see, though the voices confronted Pilate clearly revealed the right thing to do, well, and the wrong thing. It also revealed his warped values that pressured him to do what was wrong. See, the second thing is this about Pilate. He revealed the values that confronted him. See, Pilate was was pressured on every side, pressured by public opinion, pressured by the people in power, viciously calling for the blood of Jesus. But yet it was his pride, ultimately, that led Pilate to choose to condemn Jesus, to send Jesus to his death on the cross. You see, what did, what did Pilate value? What do we see here through his actions and through his response? Pilate, ultimately, he valued public opinion. Right? He listened to the crowd. The crowd wanted to crucify Jesus. He wanted to please the crowd. Pilate, what did he value? He, he, he valued position and power. He was a man of prominence. He was also worried about his job. He was worried about what Caesar would think about him if he didn't rule, make the right ruling. And so he listened to the prominent religious leaders. He listened to the crowd around him. He cared about position and power. And third, we see in the response and in the experience of Pilate that he valued pride. Despite the evidence, Pilate would choose his own way for his own interests. And dear friends, if you think about it, it's true. Pilate is no different than you and I. Think about it. What is it in this world that you really value? Whatever it is, I'm not asking you to share. Whatever it is that you value, that's what determines your thoughts and how you think. It determines perspective in this life and it's your perspectives and how you think that determines how you live your values affect how you think and how you think determines how you live what is it that you value in this life is it jesus 
We value Jesus above all the things that this world has to offer, all the things that are only temporary, that will never last. Do you value Jesus above all? Dear friends, I've heard countless stories from talking with people. I've heard countless stories, reading about other people, hearing about other people that have spent their whole lives to gather the things of this earth, whether it's prominence, whether it's fame, whether it's material possessions. And the answer is the same. Nothing has satisfied them. All the money in the world has not satisfied. There's something missing in their lives. And yet I've also heard story after story. I see example after example from my brothers and sisters in Christ or other brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that have shared with me there is nothing and no one compared to Jesus Christ. He is my greatest treasure. He is the greatest gift. Because of Jesus, everything has changed in my life. What is it that you value? Third observation is this. When you look at Pilate, he made a verdict. Oh, he made a choice. But it's that choice that he made that would condemn him. Yes, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to think about joy. I want you to think about peace. I want you to be happy this Christmas. But there is no joy. There is no peace. There is no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. And yet he came because he loves you. He died because he loves you. He rose from the dead so that he can be with you. See, Pilate made a verdict that would condemn him. Right? You look at his experience. He straddled the fence. He was going back and forth. Yes, I see the evidence, but I hear the crowd. I'm listening to the religious leaders. What do I do? What's the right decision? And what did he end up doing? He said, well, I'm just visiting here because of this holiday. This is not my jurisdiction. So, really, I'm going to pass it off to Herod. This is his jurisdiction. I'm going to let him make the decision for me. But even in not making the decision, Pilate made a decision. Friends, to not make a decision or to keep thinking that, well, there's a nice message, Pastor Steve, but I'll wait till next year to decide. To not make a decision is to make a decision to reject Jesus. He shifted the decision to someone else. And not only that, but he surrendered to man instead of surrendering to God. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know, dear friends, that is the normal response of a human being today in this world, is to submit to man instead of submitting to God. Pilate is is a perfect example He surrendered to man instead of a holy creator, all-powerful, all-knowing God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the one that they've been waiting for. The crowd cried, crucify him. And what did Pilate do? He conceded. He said, okay. (laughs) I don't want any more to do with this guy. I wash my hands. Ultimately, Pilate chose to reject Jesus. 
Dear friends, uh, I'm going to finish up right here. You know, I encourage you, look at, scour this chapter, look at the details, dig in to the evidence, but the evidence is clear. Brothers and sisters, friends, you have a choice to make today. And I I don't like saying you have a choice tomorrow. I don't like saying you have a choice next year because I don't know what's going to happen next year. And I don't say that to, to be dramatic. I say that because that's the reality of life. We don't know what's going to happen in the next minute. But I do know this. If you were to die right now without a relationship, a saving relationship, without putting your trust in Jesus as your Lord, confessing him as your Savior and Master, your Lord today, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you would die and that you would spend the rest of eternity in suffering, in pain, and horrific sadness in hell. But there is hope because Jesus came. There is hope because Jesus didn't just come, but he died on the cross and he conquered death. He conquered sin so that you and I, simply by putting our trust in him as our Lord and Savior, we can know that our sins are forgiven and that we can spend the rest of forever with our creator, our God, our Lord and Savior, the one that loves us perfectly more than you would ever understand. You have the opportunity right now to make a decision. And I I challenge you, analyze the evidence. I'm not asking you to just blindly say, oh, yes, I put my faith in you, Jesus. Look at the evidence, dear friends. There's witnesses. There is, yes, the, the saints of old. But there are also skeptics that came to faith in Jesus. You look at the soldier that was there to guard everything. He came to faith in Jesus. He said, he confessed, this is truly the Messiah. Look at the evidence. So I ask you, as, as uh, I know the worship team's not coming up, but I want to do something a little different. I, I want to ask you guys just right now, just would you, everyone, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And you can know that this, this message is coming to an end. But dear friends, what you do with Jesus is an unavoidable decision that everyone has to decide. Everyone has to make and answer this question. Whether you actually say something or not, the decision is going to be made after I'm done sharing this message. You are either going to act on what you have seen and heard and studied this morning. You are either going to choose to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you are going to choose to reject him. And either way, I want you to know that we, all of us here at Northwest, we love you. But our desire and our prayer is that you would choose to trust Jesus and confess him as your Lord. Because the reality is that in light of Jesus and who he is and what he's done, you cannot be neutral about Jesus. You cannot avoid him. You cannot escape him or bypass him. And so I ask you, dear friends, as you're bowing your head and closing your eyes, what will you do with him? You see, Christianity is based on this historical reality. Jesus is the Savior that we've been waiting for. He did come on Christmas. And so I ask you, will you receive him? And if it's your desire, after hearing about Jesus... You know that he was born as a baby. And you know now that he went to the cross to pay the price for your and my sin. 
You know that salvation is found nowhere and in no one other than Jesus Christ. For God says, it's by grace through faith in Jesus that you are saved. And so I ask you, dear friends, with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, if it's your desire today to confess Jesus as your Lord, to know that your sins are forgiven, if it's your desire to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. If that's your desire, if you've already put your trust in Jesus, you don't have to do it again. But if that's your desire today, would you raise your hand? You can put your hand down. Amen. With everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you made that choice, if you raised your hand wanting to put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would everybody just say this with me? But for those that made that decision for the very first time, you can say it with everyone else knowing that this is communicating the desire of your heart and know that it's not because of prayer that you are saved. It's by the person of Jesus Christ who came and died and rose from the dead that you are saved. And so would everybody just say this out loud with me, this prayer, and just say, Dear God, we love you. Dear God, we love you. Thank you for loving me. Let's say it all together. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I know that I am a sinner. I am not perfect. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me. I trust you as my Lord and Savior today. And I want to follow you all the way to heaven. Amen. Heavenly Father God, we praise you and I thank you so much for today. I thank you for my dear friends. I thank you for my dear brothers and sisters now in Christ who have put their trust in you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. And God, I pray that they would share it with somebody. I pray that they wouldn't keep it to themselves, but that they would tell somebody that maybe someone else could come to know Jesus as Lord and be saved. Maybe someone else can have that hope and that joy and that assurance that surpasses all understanding. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray, God, that we would not keep Jesus to ourselves, but that we would, especially today, share it with every single person. Share Jesus, share you with every single person that we come in contact with, with love and with grace. And that we would never stop sharing, that we would never stop praying that people, that the lost would come to know Jesus, that their eyes of those who are spiritually blind would be opened, that their hearts would be softened to receive you, Jesus, as the greatest gift that was ever given. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you, God, for this Merry Christmas where we can be reminded or we can know today for the very first time that we are forgiven and free and that we're going to be with you for the rest of forever. God, thank you for being so good to us. God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to the other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.